dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Kirsty Logan, this is my co-host Heather Parry. If I sound more switched on than usual, it's because I'm sitting forward to keep myself awake during what will be a very, very boring retelling of a very boring story. Do you know what's funny? I know you hate this book, and I hated it the first time I read it, which was a while ago, because I think we were going to do it on a previous season, then we didn't. And I read it then, and I hated it. I didn't mind it so much on the reread. I think I was desperately trying to make it more interesting for myself by coming up with theories. Yeah, I think that's what happened as well. So we're doing um, The Phantom by uh, Barbara Steiner. Mm -hmm. And will you quickly Google the cover? I actually remember the cover in my brain. Because we've got a bind up. It's red and there is a very angry looking American football player looming. It's actually quite good. Or is it just the helmet? No, you're right. It's it's an American football player in wearing really red. Clearly in my head, he looks almost like a ghost bull. He's like looming over. Yeah, in that looming way. Looming over you. Shall we describe the cover of our binder? I love this cover. It's cool. So this is the Point Horror Collection number nine, which has got the perfume, great. Silent Witness, not great. The Phantom, super not great. Yep. So it's basically like those. 90s mixtapes that you used to buy that would put the first two songs were hits and then the rest was all rubbish yes um and it's all in kind of bluish tones actually it's the color palette of the tim burton film sleepy hollow funny you should mention sleepy hollow it's very sleepy hollowish isn't it yes well we'll be talking about it today as well Mm -hmm. that's strange yeah psychic connection oh my god so and it's got in the foreground it's got a light shining as if from a door or maybe headlights and there's a shape of a person outlined and then if we follow the road down it twists around and there's a spooky gothic house with lights on and it's all in blues and it's all very gothy looking and i really like it it's like the adams family house yeah i love it this is, I used to have this It's as a well. good bind-up cover. It doesn't seem to be relevant to any of the stories, but I don't care. We had this, but I don't remember any of the books from being a kid. Yeah, I don't remember The Phantom. But then I also don't remember it much from being a child, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> anyway, before we get into this, I have to um, do a little aside. Because um, someone has sent us something that's relevant to something we were talking about the other day. Uh-huh. So, we did The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. And for those of you who aren't patrons... Um, we sort of built a narrative around this whereby um, it was a queerdo, not queerdo, a queer wolf. <laughs> queer, queer wolf? Queer wolf. Que- a queer wolf. Um, and then our lovely listener and patron, um, Chrissy, sent me this and said, There is actually a queer wolf film. What? And <laughs> I don't think it's going to be good though. Okay. It's called Qu- 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 Quirce of the Queer Wolf. <laughs> Curse of the Queer Wolf. Quirce. Quirst of the Quirrell, and it's a 1988 comedy horror film. Right. Um, will I read you the four-line description of what it is? I'm so ready. My um, body tr- is ready. I'm going to try and not mention the offensive words. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to say transvestite because it was, like, era-appropriate language okay. for what that is. Okay. Although it's not a word we would use now. No, but at the time you would have. Um, Larry meets someone he believes to be a woman, but is actually a transvestite. It's also written really badly, which I enjoy. <laughs> who turns him into a queer wolf by biting him on the buttocks. <laughs> he transforms into a transvestite at night when there is a full moon. Oh People God. hunting the werewolf discover the transvestite at Larry's apartment, and they also warn him about a curse. A, let's say, traveller offers to help him, but Larry refuses until the first full moon that he experiences. The only way for him to combat the transformation is to look at a medallion with a picture of John Wayne. Shut up. <laughs> and then the... <laughs> The main character is called... The two main characters are called Richard... Why do you even get a John Wayne medallion? (laughs) Richard Cheese and Larry Smallbutt. Dick Cheese. Dick Cheese and Larry Smallbutt. Shut up. Oh, my God. So it's a gay panic film. It's... I don't... The ultimate fear that a gay is going to bite you and turn you. (laughs) I don't know who Mark Pirro is, but I get the... Which is the director. I get the impression he might be sort of wanting to be... um, Who am I talking about? Who did, like... Who worked with Divine... A lot. Oh, John Waters. John Waters. That sounds like a like a rip off John Waters film, doesn't oh, it? Oh yeah, it does a bit. And it would be the right kind of period. Do you think it's tongue in cheek? I don't know. 
hard to tell. I think tell. it could be highly offensive as well. It's hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh my God, I've forgotten the, name, the director's name again. Because it can go the other way as well. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, there's a really good documentary called Scream Queen that's about the guy who starred in that. Because people say now it's the first queer horror film, mm-hmm. or one of the first, the first like mainstream queer horror film. And I think the guy who wrote it, he sort of mimes not pretends that he doesn't know that it was a queer film but he sort of wrote it as an anti-gay film about like the dangers of being gay but it really comes across as the opposite it really comes across as not quite pro-gay but (laughs) like not anti-gay okay so it's weird i think sometimes you can have an intent for a story and it actually comes out the opposite way i think at some point john waters films are going to like be seen as like actually offensive it's hard to tell what do you think well i don't know because they're so queer like yeah. it's hard to yeah who, who could know when someone's doing something on purpose it's, yeah did I tell you I watched that thing about um, Werner Herzog talking about John Waters and how he's known him for like 40 years and um, something happened and he turned around to his wife and went do you know I think this man is a homosexual <laughs> oh my god <laughs> John Waters for like 45 years and go oh. do you think he might be gay <laughs> do you think they'd had loads of conversations like should we set him up with our friend Sheila <laughs> Do you think Jenny would like him? <laughs> God, I love Werner Herzog. <laughs> anyway, thank you for sending us that, um, Chrissy. That was like a nice little. It made my yesterday night. Yesterday night? Last night. When it I made read it. my yesterday night. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, we need naps, Heather. I know <coughs> you hate naps, but we need naps. Well, I'll drink this coffee instead loudly. Okay. Uh, this is. I feel like. Are we, are we unintentionally queer baiting here because I'm saying like oh Heather we need to have a nap and yesterday <laughs> I didn't pull you up on this but yesterday you said do you know Kirsty we can't go anywhere without bagging <laughs> <laughs> so I was like I'm just not going to say anything about that there was just loads that. of noise everywhere all the time <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, anyway so we've been talking about this terrible book we've okay. done the cover we've done the title heads up that I found this so so tediously boring so tediously tediously boring oh my god and hated it so much and the main issue is that it's like largely about american football which i find to be the worst sport on on the planet ever in the in the history of people it's like wussy rugby it's yeah it's like have you ever watched one no i've ever watched one one football no <laughs> i've David, never watched a single ball ever despite not really being that into sport but also being really into like being muscly <laughs> david well, also, not being a heterosexual man. Maybe there is a lot he gets out of American football then. I think he likes being muscly, not to play sport, but to have boys look at his muscles. And then also maybe he... Yeah, okay, so David watches the Super Bowl <laughs> every year. I wonder why. And I just hate it. Like, it's so... They're so overdressed. And, and I understand you, that. Would you like if they wore less? <laughs> I like Would you the- like just pants? Because I'm sure there are films... <laughs> where that happens it would be better <laughs> they are all incredibly fit this is not to take away from people who play american football it is a brutal sport you get very hurt you have to be very very fit however and i understand that they have to wear like that kind of head protection because they get very very hurt and these kind of things but it looks ridiculous and there are too many of them and also it stops all the time it's like go hey hey hike some people shout some things and then it stops again and then it stops for like a minute and a half and i just find that to be like the worst thing that's ever happened. I also find the shoulder things a cop out because you look at them and you're like, wow, that dude's got massive shoulders. And then you're like, oh no, that's a pad. No, but then he does have massive shoulders underneath, but the pads make him look smaller than he is. But why do they put the pads on? I don't know. I hate it. I can't, it like lulls me into some sort of like rage as well, like some like latent horny rage. rage. <laughs> horny latent rage. Heather Parry, horny rage. <laughs> it should be what this book is called. <laughs> Um, and okay, so we have. I'm going to read you the opening bit, <clears throat> and you'll see what I mean about Sleepy Hollow. Are you all right, Jilly? Amelia Seabert, 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 Seabert question. Seabert, let's say, stood behind her best friend, ready to do what she could to help her. Hello. <laughs> oh, only you would think that was dirty. <laughs> Hello. But Gillian Hoff's ghostly white face, surrounded by white blonde hair, her haunted blue eyes, her stiff stance, said she had taken a giant step backwards. All the healing she had done over the summer had vanished. In a summer, she turned into Christopher Walken in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, now you mention it. I was picturing, like, blonde Shelley Winters in The Shining. No, I was very much imagining... Uh, Sleepy Hollow Pointy also teeth Christopher Walken Pointy teeth Christopher Walken Who was kind of blue Tinged on his face But also 
exactly um, Vincent from the Tim Burton short film Vincent. Yes. That's basically his main character for all of his films. Yeah. Yeah, just the same over and over again. We've all got a type. So, Gillian has had a summer of being Christopher Walken. No. Here's the situation. She, she was just emerging from it. She was walking forwards. Oh my but god. But now she's walking backwards. Oh my god. Oh. God, <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you say Walken? No. I think I say Christopher Walken. You do, because you're weird. I'm sorry, that's his fucking name. That's no. in there. Do you say I'm going for a walk? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a different name it's, it's are we gonna have the scone scone conversation no let's just move on okay so uh we've got amelia who is known as mel which i or meal i've never amelia? heard i've heard mia from amelia in fact mia if you're listening both your names are beautiful or mealy i've heard M- mealy right this yeah. is like um do you used to watch neighbors yes do you know the hot family uh you know he was a doctor yeah, do you know she's a lesbian in real life, Susan? Oh, my, get, yeah, of course she is. She looks like one. I, I kind of fancy her now. Is that weird? No, we'll get on to fancy, like fancying a hot, a hot mom. weird characters okay. in, in this episode. But um, Libby, right? I didn't know until I was an adult that her name was Elizabeth. Yeah. Because Libby is not... Well, because you pronounce it Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Spanish person trying to say Zed. Elizabeth. <laughs> So, like, when I used to live in Latin America, my boyfriend was called Vadim, and they had such a hard time with that, because you don't say V, you say it as a B. So they'd be oh, like, Vadim. Vadim. Okay. Kirsty is quite hard to say in a lot of countries. Heather is as well. It's just the, the cut and the root, and the st- <laughs> just really hard for a lot of different countries. A lot of languages don't really have the sound. Mm. So, like, Spanish speakers will call me, like, either, either, either. And I'm like, I quite like that. Um, anyway, it's not Libby. My, it's Mel. My, I meant to say my little nephew used to call me Tati because it, it's quite hard for kids to say Kirsty as well and he used to call me Auntie Tati I like Tati Tati <laughs> Tati Logan I miss because he can say my name now because he's older but I miss being Tati Oh. anyway Oh. I miss that my little nephew Sam used to not be able to say Will his big brother's name so he just called him Will oh Will Will that's give me really a, cute isn't it that's so cute now they're both giant Um. anyway so we've got Mel, Amelia, and Gillian. Um, and Jilly has been doing her healing from the fact that her, I think, boyfriend, Reggie Westerman, died last year at school. Um, Which you would be sad about. Yeah, but get over it. Just get over it, Kirsty. He's dead now. It's fine. There, um, there is a really callous disregard for human life in this book. Yeah. I'm going to talk about... There's a lot... So... The plot is really dire and fucking boring. So I'm mainly going to talk about the things around the issues. Okay, so he died over the summer or at the end of the last school year. um, And she obviously has not got over it yet because it's like, what, six weeks to 12 weeks off. That's not a lot of time to get over your grief, I don't think. Uh, No. If David dies, I I will be going into mourning like Queen Victoria for like 20 years. Probably at that age you haven't experienced hopefully haven't experienced big grief before yeah big i like big grief big grief it's big grief well, she's got little, big grief little grief like you cat. know your cat or even like your grandparents which is sad but you kind of always know that you're gonna lose your grandparents at some point mm-hmm. but like a big grief like someone your age that's Un- different unexpected grief mm-hmm. that's that's the big one um not to level grief if you know people are gonna I mean, die it's not competition. Very, very sad, yeah. yeah let's just move on um <laughs> so they're gonna go to a pep rally uh, which Gillian doesn't want to go to. Which I don't understand. Yeah, is it just like a big... Is it just a... Is it... <laughs> is it just a rally to fill people with pep? What's pep? Like peppermint? <laughs> You've never Do had they it. give out peppermints? Because <laughs> I'm girl. Like, huh, like, oh my God. I do not pep. believe I've ever had pep. I don't believe you have either. I am really not. I'm is filled an with pep. anti-pep person? Because that's me. I'm filled with pep, but it's kind of like a cynical, weary pep. Cool. <laughs> You're like high-energy cynic. Uh, yeah, that's exactly me. Oh yes. my god. Yes, it really is. Yeah, whereas I'm more, I'm going to say, uh, drama goth. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. <laughs> I'm the kind of person you'll find really egging people on, but while sipping a coffee and having really dark eyes. <laughs> you could do it. It's no, brilliant. you can't. <laughs> Don't let these fuckers get you down. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's 
that's my whole personality. The more you say you don't like it, the more I'm going to do it. <laughs> I believe in you more through spite than uh, faith. <laughs> Heather Parry, spite powers. Anyway, so they don't want to go to this rally to fill them with pep, which I understand. I don't fucking get American I high really schools. feel like it would unpep me yeah. to go to a thing that was like, yay, school. <laughs> that would make me like school less. And also... As soon as I'm told to like something, I'm like, fuck you, I don't want it anymore. (laughs) Also, it turns out that Reggie died, I believe, from playing American football, from being hit. So I wouldn't be like, yeah, let's go and have someone try and fill me with pep for the sport during which my, I think, boyfriend died. Which sport? Brain damage in sport is a serious problem. It is. It is, in fact, one of the things that this book could have done really well and yet didn't. Okay. So they go to the pep rally for the Stony Bay Bombers, which uh, I think isn't... Uh, oh, I heard that as Stony Babe, and I was like, tell me more. Stony Babe Bombers. Maybe they're the cheerleaders. Maybe. Stony Bay Bombers, I think it's a bit of an insensitive name, given... I suppose it wasn't in the mid-90s. Um, you wouldn't have that now, surely. No. Yeah. I don't think you'd get away with it. So Amelia is the head cheerleader. Head cheerleader? Top. Oh my god, she tops. King cheerleader. King cheerleader. <laughs> she um, tops them all. Oh, let's, uh, let's not go into it. Um... Oh, pardon me. Internal I'm sure there's also a video of that if you want to see it. <laughs> Their cheer uniforms, I, I know this isn't a real big point, but it's black and gold sweaters and skirts or trousers. Oh. Which I really like and it felt progressive. It probably just means the boys can have trousers. Well, this is the thing. You often don't see male cheerleaders, but mm. then my favourite ice hockey team when I was a kid did have a male cheerleader for a bit and he did backflips when we scored and it was really cool. So I just like the idea that either they don't have to wear skirts or men are also involved yeah that's true that's he feels progressive and it's the only bit we'll get so cling to it <laughs> mentioning fancying weird characters you're not supposed to fancy mrs wiggins the school principal i'm gonna describe her <clears throat> okay. she has hair in a bun pleasing I'm ralph wiggins with a bun oh please don't you've ruined okay. it oh sorry <laughs> hair in a bun pleasingly plump and while she looks meek and mild at a first glance she has a booming voice and tons of energy now that to me is the principal out of greece I was going to say it's Super Nanny. <laughs> I mean, they've got, got the same a bun energy. And a booming voice. Yeah. I, I think because this whole. Also, I am sexually aroused by Super Nanny, which I think is maybe wrong. Yeah. She's just got like a sort of headmistress energy that I like. See, I don't. Um, I don't like that. I really fancied my um, like queer theory teacher who looked like I mean, of a sort of cool queer French lesbian. Is there a not hot queer theory teacher? I don't believe there is. They're all really attractive. But yeah, this whole book's got a very Grease energy, um, alas, with none of the fun. And yeah. none of the 32-year-olds playing uh, 17-year-olds. Take all the fun bits out of Grease, and then you've got this. You've got this book. So, but yeah, Mrs. Wiggins, to me, is the Grease school principal. Got you. Who I now fancy. Um, so anyway, at this pep ra- rally, their coach, Coach Palladino... Um, Quite a good un- name. ...unveils some sort of hologram of the dead Reggie. I'm going to read it out to you. <clears throat> And from the fog appeared a player no one expected to see this year. A player no one expected to see ever again. Number nine, Reggie Westerman. Standing in the vaporous mist, circling and floating around it, the figure looked ten feet tall. A menacing hulk, shoulders padded to gigantic proportions, it loomed over the stage. So this corpse uh, teenager who has just died, they get like a massive sort of, I think it's a hologram of him. Um, and then, or a model, like a, like a, is it a kind model? of guy like you'd have on Guy Fawkes Night. But they say it's like night? held up by like beams of light. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining like lights that are projecting this into like some fog. Can I just say that... Barbara Steiner wrote The Mummy, which was so fun. <laughs> and this what is so doing? dire. And like, so basically the coach um, emotionally blackmails everyone into trying their hardest to, to win the sports ball for the dead friend. Um, and I re- just really hate this. That's not okay. No, it's not okay, is it? It's really not. I, I yeah. But then they say it's not. Anyway, let's, I'm going to give you the characters breakdown. <laughs> characters breakdown. So we've got... Um, Shelby Gunderson. Is he fat? <laughs> no, but he's the class clown, so oh. he could also be fat, though, couldn't I he? I just feel like always... they give fat people fat names. Yeah, they do. Like Mrs. Roundball, <laughs> Mrs. Trifle Face. Well, even worse, they call him Gumby. That's not okay. Mm, no. 
And then we've got Reggie's brother, so dead Reggie's brother, Travis Westerman. And then oh, we've got... Weird. We had Travis in the last one. Is he, he Nicholas Cage as well? There are weird overlaps with this one and the last one. Yeah. And they're both shit, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got another football player called Garth Dreyer. And they're like, I can't believe they gave him a name so close to Darth Vader. And I'm Which like... I did not think of that at all. No. However, my ex was called Vadim, and he did get called Vader. By me, at least. <laughs> Okay. But Garth Red. Anyway, everyone calls him Vader. Nobody would have thought of that. No. I just don't think anyone would think of that. I don't think either. Anyway, they've got Roberta Hodgkiss, who is the drama teacher and does sound like a drama teacher. Yeah. That is a real spot She's on got naming. Big curly hair and she wears really, really distinctive earrings. <laughs> like big, big dangly silver earrings. And she might be a lesbian. Yeah. Say, drama teachers and art teachers were always like, you can never work out what sexuality they were. Yeah. Which is how it should be. Tattoos, but you can't see them. Yes. Yeah. Very good point. We've got Ralph Doherty, (laughs) is the dude who tackled Reggie really hard and perhaps fatally wounded him. And also, the place where they hang out is called Dexter's Lakeside. Dexter's Lab. I know. I was like, is it just Dexter's Lab themed bar? Because that'd be amazing. I also think another wasted opportunity is you could have really done something interesting with the guy who accidentally killed a guy by playing the sport because actually here's a book recommendation there's a really good book by Chris Cleave called um, Inexcusable Mm. that's really good and it's told in first person by this it's a very short book and it's a teenage boy who's accidentally put a fellow player in a coma by like doing an illegal tackle at a football game and he spends the whole book talking about how well you know it was just a game he didn't mean it what's the big deal and he also uh, content warning just skip forwards a few seconds if you don't want mention of sexual assault he s- sexually assaults this girl that he likes but he sort of excuses it by being like well you know she didn't say no and uh. it was great and she must have really liked it And but then there's this horrible moment right at the end of the book where he, he sort of realises the extent of everything he's done and all the harm that he's caused and it's a really brutal book but really good that does sound good and but that, none of that happens here that is an inter- <laughs> so there are two interesting things that could have happened in this book yeah. one is that the discussion of football injuries and how American high schools and colleges profit off athletes who are then often like especially when it's like baseball players sorry basketball players and football players that who tend to be like black and from poor backgrounds and also that is often a way for black students to get into college when they might not be able to afford it otherwise so you get teenagers basically making these decisions that will lead them into a sport that will give them almost certain like brain damage and you it's really interesting because you get a lot of like really amazing like 18 year olds and 20 year olds and 22 year olds talking about how they absolutely knew what they were getting into but it was the only way to ensure that their families would like be pulled out of poverty in america so they like are able to put themselves through school they know that if they make it they'll be they'll make like millions of dollars and break these cycles of poverty that they might not otherwise get out of but they also know they're going to be like dead by like 55 or have like major brain damage i just watched a tv show that had that as a storyline really was it i think it was the show called evil that we've been watching oh i've not heard of it uh was it that it's something that i watched quite recently and that was a storyline that was um a teenage like a college basketball scholarship kid had really badly hurt himself injured himself but he had to hide it and pretend like he was okay because his whole family was reliant on the money that he was getting well even if you don't get majorly injured playing american football the amount of concussive damage you still get from especially if you're like one of the main dudes mm-hmm. who, who goes in with their head is that a quarterback i don't know i don't know <laughs> but um i've just been listening to the you're wrong about episodes about oj simpson that's a good podcast that, isn't it, it is a really good podcast i like it um and like i don't know if you know much about oj simpson i suppose i wasn't. i did watch a really good documentary about him because i thought i wasn't interested in oj simpson and then there was on the bbc there was i don't know if it was a bbc thing but it was on the bbc that was this like 10 part documentary and i was like no that'll be boring it was so good he's so interesting the whole story is so fascinating i like that the podcast was talking more about um her and yeah and well, so this show didn't but it really went a lot into the like the whole first episode is not really about him it's about the kind of culture at the time yeah and ha- like how we kind of have to understand him and the case through the lens of like what else was happening at the time which I thought yeah. was really good and that's what the podcast does as well also listen to the Tonya Harding episodes and they were really good and I'm currently listening to the Princess Diana episodes and I didn't realise that when Princess Diana and Prince Charles met 
She was 16 and he was 29. Ooh. Did you know that he was 13 years older than her? No. And they got married when she was 19 and he was 32. Yuck. Can you imagine marrying a 19-year-old? No. Ooh, no. Right? I, so it's this whole level of awful that I didn't really even realise. That's gross. Yeah. Oh, that poor girl. And a whole while he was fucking Camilla Parker Bowles. Why didn't anyway. he just marry her? <laughs> well, she married someone else in the meantime, that's why. <gasps> The, the Parker Bowles. I mean, why would you not marry... I mean, I don't want to marry a prince, why? but it seems like a lot of people do. Yeah. So why didn't she just marry him, I ask you? Anyway. So the OJ episodes are good, and then it led um, into a conversation in our house about how, like, his increasingly um, paranoid and, like, controlling and violent behaviour could be a result of a American football... Co- not to excuse it, obviously, oh. you are completely um, responsible for your own actions, but, like... Uh, is it a result of like brain damage or, or is it in part due to brain damage from like concussive injuries um, you know very much like how wrestlers sometimes they will you know what's the wrestler that ended up killing his family oh yeah I forget his name and I don't want to name the wrong wrestler but I know who you mean but you're like is that you know was whatever issue was there including him not like being able to control his anger was that um, concussive brain damage and steroid use also like playing a part of that it's very interesting there is a type of brain damage that um, boxers get a lot which I researched because in one of my novels one of the characters is a retired boxer and he starts to develop certain symptoms like um, shakes and memory loss and can't control his emotions which there's a Parkinson's uh, yeah so it can be in the in the book it's kind of a magical realism book so it can be attributed to him turning to stone because that's like the magical realism conceit of the book or you could read it as Parkinson's, or you could read it as he's had this, which I can't remember the name of it, it's in the book. Uh, Dementia pugilistica, I think they call it, in the book that I was reading anyway, um, that's like a specific type of brain damage that you get from repeated head trauma. Is it that one that's like a calcification of part of the brain? It could be. Any brain experts listening, (laughs) please let us know, because you're a lot smarter than us. I think there's like vascular dementia and Alzheimer's and I think there's another I think so it's quite a lot of different things anyway if you fuck up your brain it can have a lot of stuff yeah and then so it could have been a really interesting conversation about how colleges push students into this um, for their own wealth because also student athletes don't get paid anything Mm -hmm. which is crazy when you think about it yeah they don't get paid anything but do people pay to come to the games yeah (gasps) where does the money go to the colleges (gasps) what that's yeah. a scandal. I didn't know that. Oh my god, yeah. I can't remember whether it's That's college terrible. or high school they don't get paid or both. But there's like I think there's a really good John Oliver. I suppose they say it. they get their scholarship, but surely yeah. the uni's making more money. Well, don't get me into Marxism. Well. But the value is being extracted in a ridiculous degree and also their That's bodies true. are being ruined. Anyway. In capitalism you're always gonna provide more labour than you get paid for, aren't you? Yes, we're all being exploited. Um apart from me and you doing this, who are really on. Um <laughs> <laughs> or so that's one, number one. That's it true, could we're not been. doing this for fucking anybody, <laughs> apart from the listeners. Um, so that's number one thing that this book could have done. Number two thing is a discussion on the nature of grief. Because, mm. like, her... So Jenny is the... Jilly, sorry, is the one who's grieving. Um, but, like, people are kind of, like, fucked off with her for still being, like, really sad. And the entire... Here's the, here's the entire book. <clears throat> Let me find where I put it. Uh, you can really sum it up very briefly. Yeah. So, Amelia and Julie are initially disgusted that Reggie's death is being used in this way, right? Mm -hmm. But then, like, uh, (laughs) and the rest is inconsequential rubbish. (laughs) That's the book. But Julie is just basically like, I can't believe this is happening. And then everyone else is like, kind of like, get over it. He's dead. Yeah. So, it could have been really interesting, like, her being like, no, I refuse to, I would just refuse to, like, give up my grief, which I've had friends who've lost people really close to them, and I think it's amazing that they've done that. They've, like, been like, no, I'm not going to stop talking about this person, actually. Yeah. Like, I, wh- why would I? I'm not going to make it easy for you. That's actually the hardest part. Like, when my dad died, I think everyone thinks the hardest part is in the initial part. But it's not really, because in the, in the initial part, you're still sort of reeling from it, and you've got a lot of stuff that you have to organise. And also, everyone is very kind to you, and everyone tiptoes around you, and they're like, oh, I'm really sorry about this. The hard part is actually a couple of months later, because everyone else goes back to normal. But you're like, how can the world be Still the same be going on, yeah. with this person who is so important to me gone? So I actually found it was it was about four four or five months later was the really hard part because like you're still devastated, but everyone else is like, oh, it's fine now. So that could have been really good. Yeah. She's at about that point, right? It's a few months later. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think 
she could be and that is like really difficult and people are made uncomfortable by your grief yeah exactly so they want you to be better um and i found it really amazing that my pals who were like no i'm not because it made me rethink how i try and deal with other people's grief which because i've never really experienced like a major loss um forced me to like become better about that i think so anyway. i agree i had the same experience that before my dad died my someone that i know a sort of acquaintance his dad had died and I knew about it and I bumped into her and I didn't mention it because I thought well I don't want to upset her or make her sad and I realise now that that was the wrong thing to do mm. and I should have acknowledged it and it's stupid to say that you'll upset them because they're already upset it's not like they've forgotten yeah. so I really should have just said to her I'm really sorry about your dad I had this one my university boyfriend who was a, like in his mid-twenties when I was like 18 and his grandma died at 64 of like lung cancer really horrible she was um very like thin and small and it was quite traumatic and i remember saying to him you don't have to talk about it and he was like i want to fucking talk about it yeah like of course i do and i was like oh yeah shit not everyone is as repressed as my family (laughs) okay (laughs) i think you should just always leave it up to the person yeah like you open the door they can walk through it or close it it's their choice if people mention like especially having lost parents or loved ones i always try and say like i'm really sorry that you lost your dad do you know what I mean? Not to be like, because that's all we're not glossing over. Like, it. what else can you say? Or like, I'm not ignoring it. I just, yeah. want, I just want to acknowledge what you've been. That it's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's not doing that either. No. <laughs> so many possibilities. <clears throat> we also get like a, a smidgen of an interesting bit, where Amelia is like, "Why are all these people going on about Reggie? He wasn't that perfect. Him and Julie like fought all the time, and people only focus on the good things after you're dead." That's also true. That's yeah. quite good. And also, you know, he's like using the stereotype he's on the football team he's very popular probably isn't that nice to everyone in school mm. you know like he, that woman was. at Margaret Thatcher's funeral you love that video don't you oh when she's like uh, the Scottish woman <laughs> yeah and he goes what do you think about like, Margaret Thatcher insensitive. In, in, what did she say oh yeah I'm glad she's dead and then he goes don't you think that's intense, insensitive and she says um, I'd raise her up put a stake through her heart put garlic around her neck make sure she never comes back there's not a bit of good in her I was like oh I love wow. you so much but like why do we have to say she's nice just because she's dead no yeah fuck her fuck her um, glad she's dead uh, so yeah blah 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 that's a lot of stuff that could happen um, by chapter 6 Kirsty we've only advanced a day oh god and the main thrust is who did this awful prank because the coach says it wasn't him but then it's like, well, was it a prank or did the coach do it? And the main problem is that I just don't give a fuck. Don't and also, care. it's got a lot of American football games happening. And I also really don't care about that. And like, went into a short coma when they were happening. Um, really bad. Also, they go on some boats. Why do they have boats? Well, I'll come to my theory. Oh, God. Why do they have boats? The theory covers the boats. What is a sloop? That's you probably know. Word. He, he's a dog and he is, lives in a dog house and he types on a little typewriter. He's white and he's got floppy ears. <laughs> Sloopy! Oh, God. I might even have to Google Sloop because I know it from the Beach Boys song. It's a little... Sloop I think Jumbie. it's a little boat, like a little um, one-person yacht, I think. Is it? I yeah, believe so. Sailboat with a single mast, typically one head sail in front of the mast and one main sail aft. There you go. So it's <laughs> like, a, it like a little behind. one or two-person sailboat. I am so far from being a boat person that it like pisses me off that boat people exist do you know what i mean i was a boat person you see yeah my dad had a boat when we were kids see you're very middle class yeah i know i've never denied it (laughs) i'm sure being on boats is lovely i have been on a catamaran oh yeah uh for someone's wedding and it was really really nice but i just haven't got a clue i wouldn't know what to do um i don't come from those people these people are all those people oh what a lovely leaf oh leaf's come to say hi so they go on some boats and they've all got a boat which is i guess fine um, and then Reggie rises up out of the lake. And I'm going to... This is, again, another I kind of like... I picture him as... You know in um, The Princess Bride, where they make the big thing and set it on fire? I've only seen the that big, once. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> Everyone else knows what I'm talking about. I know, about. sorry. Um, also, sorry if you can hear someone, what, like, chopping off a tree branch? I don't know what is happening. There's, honestly. like, noise all around. The, the further we get on in the series, the more it's just going to be cacophonous racket around I know. us. And our lovely neighbour, Mark, keeps coming out but he's like tiptoeing around silently <laughs> we've just had a lovely chat lovely. about point horror with him and his yeah. uh, soil degree and yeah. marxism so that was nice so he's cool hi mark if you want to in real life and on the podcast yeah right <laughs> um so yeah here's reggie coming out of the lake <clears throat> for a few seconds amelia could only stare the football players seemed to be 10 feet tall 
backlighted, mm, I'd say backlit, yeah. by the moon, Reggie glowed with an unholy aura. Slimy weeds draped over his helmet, dripping diamonds of lake water. That's oh, alright, that's quite good. I'm just going to wait until that man stops doing everything. Stop no, it. I don't think he's stopping. Okay. Remember in the old days we used to record in your flat in Edinburgh and there was always somebody sawing wood outside. <laughs> or the police. Or a motorbike. <laughs> that flat was weird. We once had someone outside, obviously like really high on drugs, um, at like five in the morning coming out of a party and he was on the phone right beneath our window and he just kept going into the phone. Why, Johnny, why? Why? Did you ever find out why? Why, Johnny, why? No, but we oh. use it all the time now. Why, Johnny, why? Eye sockets in his mask were dark holes, but she could feel him staring at her. Firelight flickered off the front of the uniform, causing all the gold trim in the number nine to shine as if phosphorescent. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then they think it's the real Reggie. Okay. And then Shelby, who is now known as Shelby and not Gumby, despite being known as Gumby at the beginning, like she's just forgotten she did that. <laughs> like, cool, all right. Okay. And then he says it's some crazy person trying to freak them out, um, blah, 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 my football shit. And then they have a party, and this kid, Buddy, uh, who I don't think was mentioned that much beforehand, was pushed in a fire. And they're uh, like, oh no, he won't be able to play football, the most boring spot in the world. And they're like, oh no, it's Reggie pushing him from beyond the grave because he's jealous. Jelly dead Reggie. Je <laughs> that didn't deserve that laugh. <laughs> Jelly Dead. So Jelly Dead is uh, like raging that other people are taking his spot in the team. Jelly I Dead guess. raging. <laughs> Jelly Dead raging. Why is that so funny? Jelly Dead raging, Reggie. <laughs> Me, I don't know why you think that's so funny. I don't know either. I'm quite tired. Um, and they're all like, they're all in the hospital. And bear in mind, this guy has been like pushed into a fight and has burned so badly. Like, so badly. Yeah. And they're all just devastated that he won't be able to play football. Like, she bursts what into tears. Face? She she bursts into tears. And Garth runs out of the hospital crying. It's just sport, man. I know. I would be more worried about like the entire rest of his fucking life. I know. Anyway, so they think it's I don't know why people get so upset about sports ball, honestly. No. But I mean I can. You get really into it in a moment and I did grow up watching sport. You know. Mm. But at some point you just have to realise like they're not really your team. They're a collection of random people from all over different places who have just been paid to wear a certain shirt yeah. then you scream like it's I go to hockey now sometimes when I'm home and it's fun it's a fun sport but I can't get, escape the fact that these are all just a collection of strangers playing a sport because they've been paid to because they it's whoever's paid them the most they'll yeah. go there yeah which fair enough you would and that's fine yeah but I can't get excited about it see what's the what was the rah-rah cynicism I'm doing like yeah cool yeah. It's just excited uh, cynic. It's all just capitalism, isn't it? Cynic, yeah. <laughs> so they think it's dead, jelly dead Reggie. Oh my god, what is he actually doing? No, I honestly I don't Fuck know. Fuck me. Sorry if you Sorry. can hear that, guys. You almost certainly can. Um, we're gonna have to make like a tent. I'm gonna have to put up my tent in your yeah. garden. Is that inside then? Yeah, that's inside. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, so they. Also, don't I don't think the tent would block the noise, really. Good point. They think. <laughs> After thinking it's Jelly Dead Reggie, they then think it's Garth Vader, and they think he's hurting people so he can become quarterback. Fine. Um, and then Amelia talks about the coach having a really nice house, and like, oh, I don't think that they would be able to afford this. And again, again, we're on the cusp of having a really interesting conversation. Are we going to be talking about corruption in sport? No, we don't. No. <laughs> and then they, someone puts this sign on trees and I have never agreed with anything in a point horror story more than this sign killers you are all killers who is next football sucks someone has to pay which is how I feel about this book that should just be the whole book really shouldn't it it should I agree um, and then we have one single good bit in which this other football player called Frank gets poisoned by someone sticking pins in his shoulder pads oh and he gets what do they say contact so poisoned yeah like I really love the phrase contact poison because like no it wasn't the contact it was them sticking into his body yeah that's, that's injection true. poisoned which I'm gonna say is just poisoned it's a good point <laughs> a point a, ah, a needles oh no anyway I liked that bit and it also uh, do you remember the urban myth that anytime you went to a cinema someone would tell you that 
someone had been sticking needles in their cinema seat pins and poisoning yeah. people. I'm still frightened of that. Actually, what I'm really frightened of is from The Train by Diane Ho, if you remember that back in the day, when somebody sticks an ice pick in the back of somebody's seat. Why? I'm just convinced that when I'm at the cinema, someone's going to stick an ice pick in the back of my seat. How many enemies have you got? So many. They've <laughs> all got ice picks. Like, someone has to really want They're to do that to you. They're all ice cream men. Someone has to want to do that to specifically you. Whereas the needles in the seat, random. it could just be like chaos, you know? That's true. But, see, I my fear is that I'm going to be randomly harmed by someone just being a twat in my vicinity. Whereas you feel like people are actively going to ice pick your back. targeted. <laughs> No, I was, it was more like someone is just like, I really want to ice pick someone. She looks annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the back of her head annoys me. Look at her me. resting bitch face about the film. <laughs> this is a good film. I'm going to ice pick her to death. Exactly. Um, maybe that's related to your back operation. I got ice picked without noticing. <laughs> no, no, maybe you're afraid of it because you've had a back issue. No, I was always afraid of it oh, okay. as a child. It's from the train. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um... So yeah, we have the good poisoning, and then it turns out that Frank was wearing Garth's pants, which would suggest that it is or isn't Garth, because he knows he's not wearing them. Oh, maybe it is him. Or that Garth was the tar. Yeah, this is what I'm saying, confusing. I don't know. And then we have another football game, um, and then we have yet more people on boats. Um, and then Amelia makes a list of her suspects, who she thinks is Shelby slash no longer called Gombe. Um, and she also thinks number two could be Coach Palladino. Um, and then she gets tired of waiting for Garth, so she goes to where he is in the locker room, and he's like, um, like slumped, like sad. And then he tells her to go, and she goes, no, I say I won't go. Um, and then he shows her a note in his gym locker, which is threatening. Uh, blah 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 blah. Here is the denouement. Oh, Shall cool. I? Shall yeah. I denouement? Do it. I wish you denouement in the first ten minutes. <laughs> what do we call him jelly dead reggie jelly dead raging reggie yeah shows up uh, and he's got a gun wow yeah so he's not dead he's not but he is jelly dead okay he's jelly at least cool he's jelly raging yeah uh and he's got a gun because that's really important I, every time i'm just like how would you even get a gun like i would not know where to start it would probably have to be trained as a policeman in america your parents or that might have them i know but every i just it seems so... Anyway. Refer back to pool party. You can just pickpocket it off the policeman. Off the idiot policeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, off Officer Wiggins. <laughs> so, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on from my notes here. Um, Jelly Dead Reggie goes onto some rafters, um, and then Garth goes after him. This is in the gym, so they've run from the locker room into the gym. Um, he goes up onto these, like, uh, rafters in the ceiling, or girder, rather. Um, and then Garth follows him up there, and then it, that forces Jelly Dead Reggie to speak, and guess who it is? I can't guess. It's Jilly. No! Again, oh, are we going to have a really interesting conversation about grief? We're not. Um, she says that Reggie wants... So she's Jilly Dead Reggie. Jilly, oh my god! Oh my god! Jilly, je- Jilly, oh my god, I can't say it. Jilly Jelly, Jilly Jelly Dead Reggie. Say that, that's really hard. Jilly Jelly Dead Reggie. Oh, you can always do it. Jelly Jilly Dead Reggie. You've got a much better mouth than I have. <laughs> Been practicing. So, because they're happy and he's not because he's dead, he, from beyond the grave, wants her to kill them. Uh, but also, she wants to be also dead so she can't be separated right. from him. So she falls off the girder. This feels an unsatisfying denouement. Yeah, but it's like she falls or jumps and is dead. Okay. Yeah. But then she's not dead. Okay. Okay. But she can't move, which is fine. Um, but then she did, she admits to it all. So she's, she's jumped enough to die, except not to stop talking. So she's paralyzed, but can totally do a monologue. Okay. Um, and it was Gumby that helped her to do the original Jelly Dead Reggie at the pep rally. Which we, we have to admit wasn't that peppy now. No because it was very much overshadowed. It was, no, it was not peppy. Um, and she framed Coach Palladino, and even Gumby Shelby didn't think that it was going to go all this far. Okay. Um, and then he was like, I'm not doing it with you anymore, and then Jilly uh, just did all of it. And then she dies. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot, but then also like loads. A lot of nothing. Lot, yeah. It's Are you ready for nothing. my theory? Oh, yes, please. 
So my theory, I'm not saying it's a good theory, I'm just saying it exists. Oh, can I also say, just as an aside, uh, lentil soup is described as her dad's favourite dinner and I think that's sad. That is, a, it's lentil soup and bowls of salad. Lentil soup's your favourite, your all-time favourite dinner, that's sad. Do you know what, I like lentil soup. I'm what a vegan. Favorite? I've been a vegan for 10 years. It's no one's favourite fucking food. It's not even everyone's favourite soup. It's like you just have it because you can't, you've not really got anything else. It's fine. It's what they have for vegans at the university cafeteria. I know. Anyway, that's all right. That's not my theory. I just thought it was sad. Um, here's my theory. Hey, listen to the following quotes. Instead of what's going on behind <laughs> us. Quickly, the back curtains slid closed, swishing along the floor. Rings at the top of the rod scraped like fingernails, clawing at the inside of a coffin lid. That's one. Here's another one. Julie's long blonde hair hung forward around her face like a mourning veil, but her blue eyes blazed with an eternal flame for a dead hero. So here's my theory. This author is a dramatic goth who's being forced to write about sports ball, and they've tried to goth it up. We've got more. We've got two more quotes. The night held its breath, surrounding them with a tomb-like silence. Then a wave rushed in, its silky claws raking the sand as it rolled back, whispering when no one else dared speak. Right, and here's the last one. You need to tell me who this reminds you of. Amelia felt they were driving through thick cobwebs woven between the dark trees that stood sentinel on either side of the road. Long, dark tunnels of trees that made her feel trapped, claustrophobic. This was nightmare country, with a deep, dark hall waiting for them at the end of the road. That's you. Or CBC. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Car parks like coffins. Mm. Does that not sound like CBC? Right here we have rich kids, boats, a shitload of fog, dramatic clunky metaphors. CBC. It does sound like CBC. So here's my theory. CBC, there is no Barbara Steiner. Okay. CBC wrote this and was like. And the mummy. No, I don't think she wrote the mummy. I think someone else wrote the mummy. Okay. I think she wrote this. I actually think Richie Tangsley Cusick wrote The Mummy. Interesting. I think that CBC wrote this and then was like, I don't want to put my name on this. <laughs> so I think, I'm really sorry if Barbara Stein is a real person and she's listening to this, but I'm sorry. My theory is, you know, there's that director name. What is it? Like Alan something. Oh, Alan if Smithy? You, if you've fallen out with the production staff yeah. and you don't want to be involved, you say it's so that like, director. There is no Alan Smithy. Mm. It's like a fake director name if, they, if the director doesn't want to be attached to the project or can't be attached to the project for whatever reason. So I think Barbara Steiner is that. Oh my God. So there's my theory. It's a CBC book. I don't think CBC could have written something in this sportsy. Well, that's what I think. I think she was commissioned to write it. They were like, we want a book of American football. And she's like, look, I'm a melodramatic goth. So I'm not really feeling this, which is why the sports ball bits are so shit, because she doesn't like sports ball. Yeah. That's my theory anyway. Okay, I'll, I'll go along with that because I like it. Cool. Not because I think it's accurate, but I also, I wish it was. Yeah. Um, so Too Stupid to Live Heroin, I'm going to say that she's incredibly self-absorbed. Like, she is annoyed that Amelia is still going on about her dead boyfriend. Jilly. Jilly. And then after Buddy, he's the one that gets burned, right? Yeah. Um, she just goes to bed and goes to sleep. Yeah, I do like that she feels guilty that she's gone to sleep because that's also what I would do. I'd be like, I'm really tired. <laughs> just going to bed now. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't like her and I, it really pisses me off that she's like, oh my God, get over it. He's like dead. I know. Yeah. Um, just to go back a little bit, I've got a 90s thing. Oh yeah. Uh, someone leaves a note on Garth's windshield wiper oh. to get them to get him to call them. That's cool. I know. I was like, my God, you remember those days? Beat me where you would just show up to a place and then someone wouldn't be there and then you'd just have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> or like, if you were meeting your friend and they were late, you would just wait. Yeah. For like ages. And then you'd get home and ring their house and see what fucking happened. Yeah. <laughs> and if they weren't in their house, then oh well. Yeah, you can't talk to them. <laughs> get over it. That's the end of it. Oh, I miss those days where people couldn't get a hold of me. Yeah. Too stupid to live heroin. Uh, horrible girl. Horrible girl. Sexy bad boy sociopath. I suppose that's technically Jilly. Yeah, but I don't, think I don't really think she's portrayed like that. Oh yeah, US things. Obviously we had the pep rally, but I also want to have a mention of the quote, local steak and potato cafe. <laughs> cafe is such an steak. interesting... I, I know, okay, a steakhouse. Yeah. Steak and potato. Cafe. Steak and potato cafe. What makes it a cafe and not restaurant? Who knows? What an Why intriguing... Why steak and potato? I mean... Like, is, is it two separate dishes? You can have a steak or you can have, like, a baked potato? Or is it, like, the steak comes with potato and that's the only dish? It feels like that's how they've described a burger joint to get around some sort of taxation law. Mm. <laughs> it's a steak and potato cafe. Steak and bun cafe. 
Yeah, so weird. you get a steak, you grind it up, and you put it in a bun, but it's not a burger. <laughs> steak it's and bread a restaurant. cafe. It's a cafe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the whole book is a very American book. It is very. Um, also, fashion. Can I just say that I really like the look of black and white saddle shoes with gold socks. Oh, yeah. I think that's cool. That is cool. That would be cool now. Yeah. And that's about it for this book. Oh, yeah. is it good? We don't really have any queer subtext oh, in there. Um, no. Dattol is one. Reggie. Yeah, and uh, Buddy's hands. Yeah. Oh, well, no, not Reggie. Jilly at the end. Oh, yeah. She's, oh, she does die. Yeah. He's, oh. Sorry, yeah, she's... Reggie and Jilly. She dies and then she's not dead and then she's dead. Oh, okay. Um, I'm glad they dragged that out. Is it good? No. No, I give it a one. Yeah. I hate it. Um, is it good, bad? No. No, I give it a two. One. Well, oh. Two. Okay. Yeah, all right, I'll go with two. That's... At least it had the gothy descriptions, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, so that's why I think two. Uh, but apart from that, really just dull, and I just hated it. Don't bother with this one, guys. I honestly even struggled to like read, read it. I was yeah. just like, I can't... I don't give a shit about any of the things that this no. book contains. Just read The Mummy again, honestly. Yeah. Honestly. And then watch the film The Mummy. Yes. I agree. Um, what are we doing next time? I've not written it down. We're doing Unleashed at Gehenna's Door oh my God. by Peter Beer, which I love. I'm so excited to talk about this shrieking goth melodrama. <laughs> I've not read it yet, but I'm very excited to read it. Read it as if it's a Hammer Horror film okay. and you'll like it more. Okay. That's my tip. <laughs> so we will be back next week with that. Until then, you can find us wearing earplugs to get away from all this noise. Uh, hopefully it won't be happening next week. I'm really, really hopeful. I feel like um, this guy is gaining on us. I don't know. Well, if he's coming this way, he can go past us and he'll be gone by next week. Um, you can find us on Twitter at TeenageScream underscore and on Instagram at TeenageScreamPod. And if you want to pay us money so we can pay people to leave us alone while we're <laughs> trying to record, um, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TeenageScreamPodcast. Um, oh, there we go. I'll say that again. Patreon.com slash TeenageScreamPodcast. And, uh, yeah, you know the whole thing about that. Yep. Yep, that's what happens. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.